welcome in to We Are Soccer Central, the brand new program connecting you to the soccer community. I'm your host, Robert Kerr, bringing you news and conversation from the many layers of the world's game, from the big global brands to backyard ball. Formerly known as the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, we're going to be bringing much the same content, but expanding outside of the borders of the Great Lakes State. There's news daily uh, in this game that we love, so be sure to check out the associated uh, handles and channels. We are soccer, and we are underscore Michigan and underscore Ohio. So Michigan Soccer Central teaming up with We Are Soccer to expand and try to uh, bring as much soccer coverage to all you guys. Like I said, this program will be connecting uh, the global brands to the backyard ball, not just here in Michigan, but across the country. And so in the spirit of that, we have Mr. Brad Hotter as our first guest of the We Are Soccer Central in its new name. Uh, he can talk a lot about uh, all the, the happenings. Uh, we are headed into MLS preseason, USL Championship preseason, so American uh, preseason. The uh, semi-professional or summer leagues are uh, getting division alignments and getting their schedules released. And, um, you know, lots of excitement for the 2020. 24 season it's all uh it's all kicking off uh indoor soccer season's wrapping up but our first guest not to get too distracted can talk about uh uh the usl uh, championship a little bit about broadcasting uh the preseason stages um the development of their new stadium because it wouldn't be american soccer without talking about uh development and plans of uh, future infrastructure, which is very exciting. And they have, uh, you know, shovels in the ground. So it's very exciting to see that project's reality. And also importantly, one of the biggest news items of the past couple of weeks is the USL Super League and its first division sanctioning as Indy 11 is entering a team into that league uh, upon the opening of their new stadium in 2025 as well. So lots of handy information from Indy 11's Vice President Brad Hotter here on We Are Soccer Central. Hello, welcome back. Very excited for our next guest here on the program. A stalwart of soccer in Indiana, a goalkeeper both collegiately and professionally, and a successful coach for nearly 25 years there. But you may know his voice from Indy 11 broadcast where he's been in the booth since the club's inception. I'm very excited and happy to welcome the VP of the USL Championships, Indy 11, Mr. Brad Hotter to the We Are Soccer Central program. Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you. Excited to be a part of it. Preseason for the USL Championship season. Uh, you had a mid-table finish in the Eastern Conference last year. Uh, what's the feeling in camp now and kind of the, the goals and expectations at this very early stage of the 2024 season? Yeah, that's a great question. I think no matter which club you talk to, you're probably going to get the same answer. Everybody's undefeated. Everybody's full of optimism and hope. Um, and, and some of it is the excitement of a new season. And then some of it is actually genuine. You know, you've got the players or you've got the history, or you've got the pedigree to to back it up. And you know, when I look at where we're positioned right now, heading into preseason in the 
uh, 11 years I've been with the club, uh, I got to admit this optimism feels a whole lot more genuine than just the hope of a new season. Why is that? Uh, very, um, very motivated by Sean McCauley as our new head coach. Just, um, uh, you know, such positivity, uh, such uh, excitement. Um, I, I can't speak highly enough about all the interactions he's had, just uh, not only with the players, with the front office, and then in the community, just in the short time he's been here. Um, and then you take a look at some of the players we picked up. Augie Williams, um, you know, ar arguably one of the best young strikers in the USL championship here over the last couple of years, helped lead Charleston to the finals last year. Um, Danny Barbier, uh, Aiden Stanley, a couple guys that'll shore up a bit of our back line. And then, you know, the return of Tyler Gibson to Indianapolis. That's another big pickup uh, with a couple of years that he spent here kind of orchestrating and quarterbacking our midfield. That does sound like uh, some some real excitement uh, to to get behind there. Um, switching to your coach, there was a, a somewhat of extensive uh, coaching search, kind of end of an era last year. Um, what was kind of went into the decision making process to to bring the new co new coach on board? Yeah, um, you know, good run from Coach Lowry getting us back in the playoffs. Um, great interaction. You know, did did well here. I think he was um, looking at some different opportunities. And then when you take a look at the length of the search. Um, not just with the quality of club that we have, but with the excitement of the uh, new stadium, 11 Park on the horizon. Um, Indianapolis is a, a pretty attractive destination for players and coaches right now. So with that, you know, I think it was 220, 250 applicants from every continent um, that it takes a while to go through all that. And to really narrow in on, you know, some of them are going to be, it's, it's a wish, it's a fantasy that they, they'd get here. So some of the resumes and, and experiences are not quite to this level, but you still have to take the time to go through them and, and figure out, you know, what bucket they fall in. And then there's uh, so many guys like Coach McCauley that have just got such extensive resumes and, and looking at all the stops they've been and, and talking to either players or coaches or front office at those uh, different locations in getting their perspective. So, you know, we didn't want to go out and just say, okay, this, this guy looks pretty good. We wanted to go out and find the right guy to lead us in this next uh, iteration of Indy 11 soccer. So you said that uh, Indy 11 uh, is a, an attractive uh, location uh, at the USL championship. Uh, why, why is that for those uh, nationally, not in the, the local region? What are those, uh, key qualities of the club that uh, you make or that makes you feel that it, it's an attractive destination? Well, I think Indianapolis is attractive on a, you know, a sports fan level. <clears throat> the NCAA is headquartered here. Um, we've got the uh, Olympic swimming trials coming to Lucas Oil Stadium. We've hosted a Super Bowl uh, coming up here. We're hosting the NBA All-Star Game. So it's not just us in Indianapolis saying that we've got something pretty cool going on here. It's the NBA, it's the NFL, it's the NCAA, it's the Olympics saying this is a pretty good destination. The city's laid out really well. Um, there's enough hotels, there's enough amenities here that make it a, a pretty cool destination. But then when you take a look at Indy 11 specifically with 11 Park, we've got a 20,000 seat stadium 
in this live, work, and play development that we're bringing. It's going to have apartments. It's going to have retail. It's going to have restaurants. It's going to have office space, hotels, and then the 20,000-seat stadium that we'll be moving into in uh, the end of the summer 2025. Yeah, that was kind of my next question is part of this uh, dawning of a new era for the club is the, the new stadium development. And in American soccer and uh, where I'm at in Michigan, there's been a lot of uh, uh, false starts, a lot of, uh, you know, press releases and, uh, you know, renderings and whatnot. At what stage is uh, the new Indy 11 stadium? Is, is there, uh, you know, shovels in the ground right now? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we broke ground at the end of May. <clears throat> there was a hundred year old manufacturing facility on the uh, land that we bought. So the first part uh, of that is taking down, disassembling, and then removing uh, all those structures. And, you know, there's 100 years old, so there's a lot of different things that go into making sure that you're doing that safely. This uh, 11 Park is located right next to Lucas Oil Stadium and also Victory Field, which is where the Indians play, our minor league baseball team. And so in that, it's not like you're out in the middle of nowhere looking at demolition and construction. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and so, you know, when you look at uh, where we were in end of May, announcing that uh, we're having the groundbreaking to where we are here, you know, 10 months later, uh, an entire 100-year-old manufacturing facility is gone, which, you know, for the city, <laughs> the, the landscape looks a whole lot nicer right now. Has there been uh, any uh, mysteries discovered in uh, knocking down that old building? A uh, hundred years is a lot of history. And sometimes <laughs> when uh, development on some old sites happen, uh, you might uh, find some uh, surprises under there. Is there anything shocking so far? Yeah, nothing shocking. You know, we did our history on this land. So we knew what was there before uh, Diamond Chain, which was the manufacturing facility that was was built there. Um, so nothing that was, uh, unknown or unforeseen. And now it's just navigating all of the, the challenges in the demolition and construction in a, a way that moves it forward. Well, that's good. I mean, uh, history can be found when you, when you, when you dig in the ground, but, uh, no surprises yet. There's no, uh, you know, underground tunnels or any uh, graveyards or anything like that. That's good. Well, yeah, no, that, that was built, the, the manufacturing facility was built on a graveyard, and it was something that we knew coming in. We've been working with the National Historical Preservation Society to make sure that, you know, we handle everything in, in a manner of great respect and, and reverence. Okay, I, I just shot that in the dark. That's interesting. that <laughs> There was, in fact, uh, a graveyard there. So you said that the projected uh, opening of the facility is uh, 2025? Yeah. End of summer 2025 is what we're targeting. So, um, you know, we'll be in there for a handful of games uh, at the end. Uh, we've got a Super League First Division women's team that will begin playing in 2025. Uh, and so they'll come on board as soon as the stadium is complete. Yeah, that's a the whole nother avenue to the conversation is that the Super League um, kind of where is the process of starting that up now? And um, kind of what's your your thoughts on that development as, uh, you know, we just recently had the news of it uh, getting first division sanctioning and, you know, with the American soccer and the history of there being competing divisions at the at the same level. I'm just kind of curious. It's great that there's going to be some uh, some more opportunities for, for women to play uh, kind of uh, where are you at with that, uh, you know, a year and a half away from that? 
Now we, we couldn't be more excited. We're part of that um, initial uh, set of franchises uh, that are part of the launch of the Super League. Um, we're delaying entry until the new stadium comes, but we have secured a franchise in it. Um, we're thrilled to be able to offer uh, girls and young women uh, a chance to look at professional soccer as a possible occupation. And then also for you know the kids growing up to be able to, to, to have role models and, and to be able to look and to, to aspire to, to do something great in the sport. You know, our, our W League team uh, won the national championship last year. And so we've been involved in the promotion of women's soccer for the last few years. And we're excited to kick it to that next level. Yeah, with that in mind, I guess um, for those not super familiar with the club, I guess what all is in the infrastructure of the club? Um, right? I mean, like, is there youth teams, uh, the pro level team, obviously, like what all is under the umbrella? of Indy 11? Yeah, great question. So we've got a, a pro academy, um, you know, you know, a handful of teams on both the men's and women's side playing in MLS Next and ECNL, um, looking to develop our, our own talent. Um, and we've been pretty successful with that. We've won uh, academy championships and we've got a couple academy signings for the first team. You know, we anticipate that also continuing on the women's side. In addition to that, we're investing in youth soccer throughout the state of Indiana. We want to make sure that uh, kids that want to play have opportunities. So we're trying to remove some of the barriers of entry for kids to, to step in and, and enjoy this game, get them off of screens, get them out playing. Um, so we, we've invested in right now 19 uh, rec clubs throughout the state. We've got 17,000 uh, kids under that umbrella that now wear the Indy 11 crest and uh, you know, have tickets and attend games. We'll be adding another handful of clubs this year. We anticipate it being up to twenty-five to thirty thousand kids that are under that umbrella. And um, you know, the whole focus of that is to provide opportunities for kids to, to understand the game, to get in and have fun, and then to pull away some of the values that the game provides with you know, learning how to deal with success, learning how to deal with failure, learning how to deal with setting goals and being disciplined, all those things, whether you stay in soccer for the rest of your life or you just pick up those lessons and carry them into whatever uh, venture you're going to be in is of value. That's that's an, that's uh, definitely some progress as far as, you know, kind of going from the ground up. American soccer hasn't necessarily built that density across the board as far as, uh, you know, connecting that youth all the way up uh, to the top level. So that seems like uh, some progress being made on that front. And that's exciting. I like that uh, you're saying that it was recreational as well as the the elite level. Um, it's I think it's, you know, personal. I think that's that's really important to, to engage that recreational player, if not for, you know, the player pool, just for interest in um, the sport becoming an adult. I mean... If you played and you wore that badge, yeah, more likely to maybe become a fan of the club uh, when they're uh, grown-ups and then, you know, try to foster that uh, generational interest, which, you know, we have in this country in certain areas, but definitely uh, not uh, widespread. Um, you've been with Indy 11 since the start. You've been in the broadcasting booth, like I said, from the start. What has been uh, the the biggest development uh, for Indy Eleven since you've been a part? Yeah, it, it it all depends really on 
what hat I'm wearing that day as far as the measurement of the biggest kind of successes. You know, when I'm when I'm looking at it from the front office perspective and we've got 11 park and a 20,000 seat stadium coming, that's a massive success. When I look at it from uh, a coaching perspective and the the quality of team we put on the field, you know, we've won a spring championship in the NASL, we've made it to the playoff a number of times, you know, the excitement around that and the success now is obviously that next step towards winning a championship. And then when I look at it on the youth level, you know, our, our camps growing, our, our relationship with uh, youth clubs growing, you know, so when I, when I look at success, it all depends on, on which hat I'm wearing at that time. At the end of the day, we want to create a great family-friendly experience for um, families here in Indianapolis to, to have a place where they can get away inexpensively, enjoy soccer, and enjoy some of the, the fun and excitement that we put around the event as opposed to just the game on the field. We've got a fun zone. We've got some stuff that goes around the game, some giveaways, some fun things that go on at halftime. So really trying to make it a fun and affordable event for families. Who's uh, the club's biggest rival at this point? Uh, you know, when I, when I put on my uh, coaching hat, which I, you know, I worn for a number of years, my answer is who's ever next on the schedule. Um, <laughs> and then when I, you know, when you look at uh, geography, geography you start saying okay that obviously a, a, a big history with Lou City um, just because of the proximity and how well that they've done uh, there's a rivalry building up with uh, Detroit uh, you know you take a look at the the great stuff they've done and how Trevor James has has built that into a a solid club and a pretty passionate fan base and so when they come down here you can hear them when our fans go up there you can hear hear them and then I would say probably, you know, Pittsburgh is one, uh, too, the job Bob Lilly's done there and how difficult it always is to play them because of how how disciplined and, and focused they are defensively. Um, those would be kind of the geographic rivals. And then you've got some historical rivalries. So you, you look at uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, you know, back from our NASL days. They've been, you know, we, we faced them in different leagues and and. and their place, our place, different venues, Lucas Oil Stadium to Carroll Stadium. Um, but the, that rivalry has uh, continued. And you look, I think their roster right now has four or five former Indy 11 players on it. Um, and so that's a, you know, that always adds a little bit of spice to those games as well. It sounds like uh, there, there's some good candidates uh, for, for some rivals there, both historically and, and geographically. And, you know, uh, soccer, you know, at this level is still in its formative years. I doubt that uh, the European clubs had their uh, number one rivals set up in the, you know, the first 10, 15 right. years of their history. But uh, yeah, definitely. I, I could see uh, Detroit and in Louisville, uh, definitely uh, ha that rivalry. Uh, I could see that, that, that growing moving forward, uh, especially, but on the days when we're, you're wearing your uh, broadcaster cap, um, what are some of the highlights for you? Well, you know, I, what I love about it is it gets to engage the tactical side of my brain. You know, when you're you're um, watching, um, I, I try and watch two to three games uh, that our opponent played, their last two to three games, just to see what kind of tendencies, what kind of style that they're playing, just to kind of get a sense of, of what they try to do um, and who tries to do it on their roster. 
So I, I enjoy that because I get to dive in and take a look at some of the um, strategies that other coaches uh, are, are employing and get to see how they use certain players. And if you're in this league, you know the top players. You know, they may change franchises every couple of years, but you know the top players. And so as, uh, as you look at how a player might get used by this coach in this formation, it's always interesting to see, okay, well, how does their skill set you know, change when they go to uh, a, a different set of tactics, a different coach and different teammates around them. So on the broadcasting side, I really like taking kind of a, a deep dive and doing an autopsy on teams and, and figuring out the, the, the what's the how's the why's. And then, you know, when, when we face them on game day, taking some of those ideas and some of that knowledge that I gained in watching them play their last two to three games and then applying it and trying to bring some of that to the viewers. Yeah, that's definitely the the most fun kind of research, isn't it? It is. Man, watching watching games. That's great. I'll do that every day. Watching games, digging into uh stories and history, maybe finding some 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 oddities in a player's background and stuff like right. that is 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 the fun research to do. Right. Do you have Absolutely. do you have a specific moment or goal um in the booth that you could say is your favorite so far? Um you know, I think going back to my coaching days, when you spot a tendency or you spot something that is a little bit unique, that you know, when I, when I when I was in the coaching world and I'd see it in a game where I'd see a weakness in an, in an opponent we could exploit, or I'd see a strength that they developed on that game day that we needed to be aware of and we needed to figure out the answer to. I love in the booth when I find those little nuggets, uh, you know, you used to find them as a coach and then you'd either find a tactical solution for it, or it might be a player, a, a changing of a player to find the solution for it. And I, I enjoyed that as a coach um, trying to solve those problems in that now in that broadcasting role, I love trying to spot those little tendencies and then, you know, saying, okay, well, here are some of the answers that could be implemented by Indy 11. Here are some answers that this player um, could provide to help make this game go in the right direction for the club. One final thought before I uh, let you go. I'm sure uh, you've got plenty on your plate for the day. Um, so going into the 2024 season, new coach, new players, um, shovels in the ground for a new stadium that's coming You know, next year. Um, what would you say, uh, what would you encapitulate, uh, like at the end of the season, you know, this is a, you know, November, October, 2024. Uh, what, what is on the checklist for a successful season for Indy 11? Well, I think, you know, I'd be, I'd be lying to you if I said that anything but a championship would be a, acceptable. I think when you enter into a season um, with a club like this, that has the resources uh, as far as coaching staff, as far as facilities, as far as players, um, the goal has to be to win it all. And so that is that is the the end prize. And everything we're doing right now are the processes to build to that level. Um, you know, when you look back and you say, okay, well, there's only one team that's going to stand at the end of the season. And, you know, some of it's uh, a lucky bounce, uh, the right call, the right weather on a certain day, players staying healthy. There's so many things that factor in that could derail that ultimate goal. So then that yeah. next tier of success would be viewed as, did we take another step forward? You know, did we advance another round in the playoffs? And so as you start looking at, 
hey, here's here's where we want to be. This is this is the goal each year. Are we incrementally every season moving a little bit closer to that? Um, you know, either one of those things would be satisfying to me. Obviously, the championship is going to be immensely satisfying. But if we take another step forward, get deeper into that playoff run, that's a plus as well. Well, good luck moving forward. I mean, lots of exciting things happen. Like I said, new players, new coach, and a uh, new stadium on the horizon. Yeah, only one team uh, ends up winning that last game of the season. So important to have that checklist. And thank you for kind of laying that out there for us. So, uh, Mr. Brad Howder, Vice President and Broadcaster for Indy 11, thank you so much for joining the We Are Soccer Central podcast. I enjoyed it, and thanks for all you do in spreading a little bit more love and information about this beautiful game. My pleasure. Thank you. so much to my guest, Mr. Brad Hotter, Vice President at Indy 11 of the USL Championship and soon to come in the USL Super League. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to say thank you to Jenny Hajnaki, the We Are Soccer Central gang, the Brain Trust at Michigan Soccer Central, and We Are Soccer for providing uh, help to this program. And thank you to the listeners for uh, coming along my 132nd episode and the very first one for We Are Soccer Central. So until next time, everybody, please enjoy your soccer.